Yeah, recording at a new time. We never we never record. Well, as I say, we never record when the sun is out. That's not true. In the summers, the sun is out. Um, hey, listeners. Super cool. Good news. We're back to weekly. Okay, well, technically. Okay, so for regular free listeners, that's going to be two podcasts a month. For Patreon listeners, you get four fucking podcasts a month. You get us in your ears every week. Isn't that great news? Isn't that so sick and awesome? Uh, we decided to record on Sunday since that's the day I always have off now because I'm an eight to five girly. So yay, more us. Exactly. So uh, yeah, I got an exciting episode planned. I'm stoked. I'm really A lot excited. of stuff to talk about, Good. including a new segment. Which I'm excited about, although I did, I did begrudge the preparation required of me to engage in this segment, but because I love you, I will. That's not even the new segment. Oh, that's not the new segment? Yes, it is. That's a new segment. That's a new nope. segment. Nope. We have okay, okay, okay. We'll we'll deal we'll with semantics there. later. Oh we'll get there later. Yes. Uh, do you have a daily question? This is sort of a. This may end up being a generational gap, kind of. I don't know. Did you ever? This is this is okay. Did you ever have those or read those choose your own adventure books in the eighties and nineties? Yes, they those, were they were one of my favorite kind of books. Those fucking rocked i remembered i i remembered their existence earlier today uh and also i i didn't know this but the stranger things logo is based on the font they used in the titles of those books and i knew it looked familiar whenever i saw like whenever stranger things first came out when i was in high school it was like explicitly based off of the the font used in those title like those book titles we had a couple of them i don't know if we had more whenever you were a kid but i found them our mom has like uh, like there's a room in the house that was like a computer room and it also had like huge bookshelves full of books and most of them were her books but some of them were kids books and uh, they weren't on like the regular shelf with the kids books in the hallway and i at some point in elementary school i found where the choose your own adventure books were and i was like okay well this rules this rocks hard except um i would always fuck it up really bad and sometimes i would try to read it just like in a row knowing that that's not how it works oh jesus youngsters may not know what to choose okay okay you're reading a book you read three or four paragraphs you're given a choice you're told what page to turn to in order to follow the story with that choice. And that's the whole thing. So you're flipping back and forth throughout the entire book in order to get to the plot. Um, but sometimes just... Which is why uh-huh. the most important part of reading one of those books mm-hmm. is you stick your fingers back to mark the pages, the previous choices you've made. Because you That just... way, if you read ahead and like, oh shit, you die. Yeah. Nope. You can go back and it's like it's never happened. And if you're thinking, why would you die? It's a kid's book. All you do is die in those fucking kids' books. Listen, most of the choices are this route progresses the story, and the other one, you fucking died. When one of them, I was a mosquito, and a little girl slapped me, and I died because I wanted a, a yummy little blood snack. Isn't that fucked up? There's one where lions tear you to shreds. Fucked up. What was up with that? Which, in case you were wondering, it's a it's a choose your own adventure. I believe that has to do with reincarnation. Oh, I forgot what the plot was. I just remembered really, really disliking the part where I literally got, it, it, it said SPLAT in all caps with an exclamation point. And I was like, all right, fuck me, I guess. And I was like nine. And I was like, I guess I got to get reincarnated again. <laughs> yeah, there was one where you had to tell some like wise old man a joke or sorry, he gave you a riddle. And you, if you picked the joke answer, which involved a zebra having a rash, because it was what's black and white and red all over, you could say zebra with a rash. And he'd be like, funny joke. And then he kills you. Okay. All right. You're given two choices. I'm 10. 
Why are you killing a 10-year-old? <laughs> just a guy. Anyway, I just want to know if you remember them. This is much of a daily question. I just, like, remembered they existed earlier. Anyway, I think it would be really fun if I wrote one and made you do it with me. Just so you know, that's in the works. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, if you enjoy game. Choose Your Own Adventures, there's a type of video game you can play. I'm blanking on the name of it right now. And one of the, some of the listeners are probably screaming it at their phone as they listen to this. I'm pretty sure some of them are just referred to as adventure games, period. Like, there used to be, like, some of the earliest video games were, like, text-based, basically, versions of that, where you, like, select a number to choose where you want to go, and it's just text on the screen. I know that was, like, some of, like, the early, early video games. There was a Choose Your Own Adventure on the Atari, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, but no, there's, like, modern games, like, you can, it just, you're, you read, and then you, you pick something. Let me double-check, because I think it might just be adventure games. Oh, there's a game called Choose Your Own Adventure on Steam. Okay, Game Rant, what do you got for me? The Wolf Among Us. Oh, that's Telltale, Life is Strange. Oh, a lot of these are kind of choose your own adventure. Okay, so they're just kind of showing me instances in which these are games that, in which your choices make an impact. So that makes sense. Ones like Life is Strange and The Walking Dead. Those are pretty good. I do enjoy those. But those are obviously much, much, much more recent examples of that. I do love a video game in which your choices affect it long term. I feel like I could enjoy The Walking Dead video game, but man, sad, ain't it? Bit of a bummer. If you want a game series that you can play where your choices affect everything long term, even changing what happens in future video games, mm -hmm. or at least details about what happens, okay, you should play the Mass Effect series. Okay. See, I was going to say Undertale, which is also a primo example of that. Like, that was actually more what introduced a lot of people my age to that kind of concept in video games, because it's, it's an indie game. It's like a very entry-level like it's just, it looks very simple on its face whereas something like mass effect i think seems very intimidating to people like me for instance who weren't raised on video games and undertale's just like oh it's cute little pixel guys it's like oh it's so cheery and then it ends up being like aggressively existential and critiquing i was the raised on games. cute little pixel guys but i still ended up playing games like mass effect but i wasn't even raised on the pixel guys you still started with the pixel guys i had to start with the pixel guys myself but I think I would try oh, the Mass Effect series because a lot of those characters got submitted to Stevie and the Monster Fuckers way back when. And I did, I wanted to doink a lot of them. I can admit that. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the characters well, in Mass news, Effect are in pretty game, dunkable. Uh, at least the heterosexual playthroughs, there is no lesbian playthrough. Boo. There no, there, yeah, there's no, there's no gay playthrough either. Boo. But in heterosexual relationships, you can fuck the characters. They let you do a little doinking. Okay. That's pretty good. It's off screen, but like you basically like Boo. say, "Hey, want to fuck?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's go fuck." They Truman show that shit. That's awesome. Yeah. It's Gender Swap. Welcome to Gender Swap, a podcast by two transgender siblings, uh, one of whom is trying their best to adjust to the new recording time because the vibe feels really kind of strange. The other one, yeah, is doing the same apparently. Yeah. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Micah. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Stevie, and I use he, they pronouns. And my problem is that I feel like we're recording a podcast. Does that make sense? Okay. I, I, I'm not sure I follow. Um, so normally, whenever we're like recording on Friday nights, it's the evening, it's after work, and I am tuckered out. But this is my like Stevie Micah chit-chat fun time. Because <laughs> it is. And normally we're both like zooted out of our gourds and we're just like having a nice time. But it's 1 p.m. And it is a Sunday. So like I could get zooted out of my gourd, but I'm like, it's a little early to get high, isn't it? I don't know. I don't Stevie, know. What? 
I almost feel shame saying this. You're but high, you know right? Why not? I could destroy my own reputation. You're not destroying your reputation. I started my Sunday <laughs> by basically waking up and taking an edible. And here's the thing. That's your God-given right as an American citizen. <laughs> it is a sun. What else are you going to do on a Sunday? Listen, I'm not planning on going out. So it's 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 purely just exactly. like my own, I, I think, force of habit and perhaps Puritanism getting in the way. But like I have coffee. And so I'm like, well, why would you smoke it? And here's the thing. I'm saying that as if like whenever I was like very briefly prescribed Adderall, as if <laughs> the, the Adderall medical marijuana combo, it's God tier. Because then I could get my shit done, but also not be anxious and shit my brains out. So, like, who's making the rules even? You know what I mean? Anyway, so I am hanging out, but I do feel, like, alert, which is different. Not bad, just different. Gotcha. So so you're saying that I should be able to expect your A-game from here on out? No, not that. Okay, as long as we're being truthful. It's just because that's a lot of pressure. I'll probably bring it, but don't expect it, because then it'll it'll flop all over the place. Ah, gotcha. Speaking of things that flop all over the place. Is this a regular is this a regular week or a Patreon week? Here comes the news. Wow. So, our first headline. We've organized, strategized, now it's time to pulverize, says Teamsters Union president ahead of UPS strike. Welcome to Solidarity Summer, bitches. This rocks. WGA, SAG-AFTRA, Teamster, and, like, uh, pretty much everybody else is talking about it. Like, pretty much everybody, uh, like, all the other unions at this point are, I need to see what the list is, because I saw a list recently of all the unions that were about to go on strike or about to vote on it. There's a lot of them. There's a lot. It rules. So, yeah, UPS spokesperson has said part-timers receive the same benefits as full-time workers. However, they do make less than full-time employees who make, on average, 95000 per year. Oh, my God. That's a lot. Well, yeah, because think about what the job is. What is the job? Your Explain to me first. packages oftentimes can weigh, like, over 100 pounds. Oh, my God. So part-timers start by earning sixteen twenty an hour. Damn. Which is not enough for that job. No. And are eligible for a higher hourly rate after 30 days. On average, part-time workers make about 20 an hour, according to the spokesperson. Again, that's not actually that much when you think about what they're doing in the summer heat. Yeah, that is like actual like manual labor, which wildly enough is like the most devalued jobs, even though it, they are like some of the most demanding physically and mentally. It makes no fucking sense that somebody sitting in a high tower in a cushy chair behind a big desk should make like 10 jillion billion times more than people who are doing actual fucking labor. This is not to devalue other forms of labor that don't involve like manual labor, but at the same time, manual labor is substantially more of a real job than sitting behind a desk in a high tower earning a billion jillion dollars. This is true. And you know why it's like that? Hmm. Capitalism. Oh, yeah, I thought that was a given. I I just figured we all knew that. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm just reiterating for our listening audience in case they don't, because if all goes according to plan, we're going to get a lot of new listeners. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. I see your sneaky little plan. I see your sneaky little plan in here. What is my sneaky little plan? I'll tell you later in the podcast. This is just a teaser. <laughs> right but now anyway, just getting back to the strike. Mm-hmm. UPS represents our members that deliver goods and services that deliver 7% of the gross national product. That's a lot. So the UPS supply chains will take a huge hit. For for anybody thinking like 7% isn't a lot, think of like the sheer volume of like 
mail. Just shit that we mail. Like, most everything, like, not everything is digital. Like, physical goods still have to get to people. Like, how many, like, Amazon packages have you, like, ordered alone in the last few years? Like, it's, I don't know, it's probably been fucking more than 10, and there's, like, 7 billion people on the earth, you know what I mean? And there's, like, what, 3 billion people in America? I don't know. That's probably too many. How many people are in America? Uh, about 320 million. Really? I don't know why this seems like a very small amount, but that's still a lot of people. Yeah, but we're also a very big country, and people are actually really spread out through most that of That is true. It is a very, very large country. And there's a lot of just blank space in the middle that we're not using. Yeah. Get off the coast. Get off the coast. The it's coasts not th- are nice, though. We've lived in Florida all our lives. Do you really truly think that? Well, not the coast down here. I assume it's nicer up north. You're just making shit up. You have no way of corroborating that. Well, I've been to the coast on the west coast. Okay, you did I've like seen that. the Pacific Northwest beaches, and those I enjoyed because it was cold yeah. and rainy yeah. and gray. That's so And your I could thing. wear my long coat God as has. I walked along the beach. I remember seeing the pictures. Wasn't that where y'all went for your honeymoon? Uh, nope, it was just a uh, visit we did. Actually, fairly early in our relationship. Oh, you're right. That would have been way, way, way early on. I remember seeing the pictures from it and perceiving it as a kind of honeymoon, even though it definitely wasn't because you didn't get married until a few years ago. But I was like, yeah, that's something that people who are getting married does because I was like 10. <laughs> and then you did get married, so I was a little, right? Anyway. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing the pictures and thinking like, man, that looks awesome because I'd started reading Lemony Snicket books and I was right. So, <laughs> Where was I? Um, The coast, UPS. Oh, yeah. 7% of all of all transport or of all, all packaging. According to O'Brien, a strike would be felt both domestically and internationally. He claims because the pilots union that represents the pilots for UPS have committed to us that they will not turn a wheel if the Teamsters go on strike. So what are Teamsters? I feel like I'm getting mixed up in the distinctions. Uh, it's UPS and Teamsters together, apparently. So is Teamster a different company? Am I, I, I'm it's sorry. A different, it's a different union. Okay, gotcha. Just want to be clear because I know that if I don't know it, our listeners probably don't. So just want to be clear. Well, that rules. So that's fucking awesome. Yeah, so that's basically what's going on. Fucking cool. Let me find that list of like, hold on. By the way, folks, um, if you see news articles, interviews, et cetera, et cetera, discussing how bad and difficult the strike is and how the workers are holding the American economy hostage or whatever. Remember that it is not the workers who are doing so, but the bosses who are doing so, because none of the demands being made so far are any kind of unreasonable. And what is more unreasonable is bosses expecting that they get to continue sitting behind big desks, making billions of jillions of dollars while their employees cannot pay their motherfucking bills. So just remember that you will be, and already are probably seeing a lot of negative press about it. But just remember that, um, th- not to sound like a fucking conspiracy theorist, it's not conspiracy. These media outlets are like explicitly owned by those bosses. Like, Disney owns yeah, they're owned Fox, by rich people. like ABC owns like a, like, don't they own CNN or something? Like they own like all of these like mainstream, like, like big time news channels are owned by the corporations that also own the, the media companies being impacted by the WGA and SAG after strikes, for instance, like they have a, an explicit vested interest in making you think poorly of the workers who want to survive. So keep that in mind. Engage with all press critically. 
And um, always read multiple sources, including those that are not owned by uh, big corporations. Lots of grassroots journalists are doing very, very good work right now, so keep an eye out. Yeah. So our second headline. Mm-hmm. California School Board adopts LGBTQ plus curriculum after Newsom's $1.5 million threat. Elaborate. A school district in Southern California has decided to adopt the state's new social studies book and curriculum after previously rejecting it for its reference to LGBTQ plus figures in history. Hmm. So they would love to just totally ignore that they were there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. The Temecula Valley Unified School District voted to accept the curriculum following a lengthy meeting on Friday at which parents, teachers, and community members spoke for and against it. Hmm. The decision was welcomed by Gavin Newsom, California's governor, for thwarting an attempt to whitewash history and remove the threat of sanctions against the school district for not adopting the curriculum. So basically he said, we're going to sanction your district if you uh, That's a little don't. Funny take this textbook that's a little funny so now they have to take the textbook and they have to teach about it how are you gonna oh my god there's so much going on there just in terms of like well i hate gay people so i will pretend they don't exist are we living in a fairy tale world in what fucking world that's how fascists (sighs) work they basically just try to excise and not talk about all sorts of history and subjects because they see it as a way of controlling the narrative and controlling the story and therefore yeah. controlling the populace. And if you're, so, you know, the shit that Ron DeSantis is doing oh, yeah. seems kind of fashy. Just a little. And if your ideas were so substantial and so correct, you should be able to refute these ideas with really no problem. You shouldn't have to censor them. You should just be able to explain why they're bad. Oh, you just want to not talk about them. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sure that's for normal reasons and not because this is all a fucking farce. Come on, get fucking real. This shit's Boy, we are on a political tear today. Is, is, is this because we're recording earlier? Yeah, the problem is that I'm more um, articulate. <laughs> the problem is that I'm more articulate right now than I usually am. Like, usually I'll go, ah, something, something, fascism, censoring of ideas. You get the idea. But I'm actually able to articulate my thoughts instead. So, yeah. This has never been an apolitical podcast. Also, by the way, just go ahead. No, I was going to say, no, it's definitely been a political podcast for a a while. And as much as we do talk about politics, because you can't talk about anything without injecting your own politics into it. That's simply how things work. On like at a fundamental level, I, I heard this like quote recently that put it into a good perspective for me. Like all like the definition of politics is simply like how a person relates to power. And so it does not really matter who you are because you are going to be affected by your relationship to power and that is going to affect how you relate to the world, period, because we live in a hierarchical society, you know? And so, like, in a world that is, like, very fundamentally built on those things, nobody is apolitical. If you think you're apolitical, uh, it's because you're in a position of power. Oh, yeah, but, like, it's in, it's impossible to really discuss anything about how you relate to the world without your par- personal politics being injected into it, because that's going to inform your point of view, period. Exactly. Strike good. Our third headline isn't really a headline for this segment. Okay. Because this segment is the news. Okay. But this particular news would fit better in a different segment we do, called Twitter Watch. <laughs> Insert fucking clown music here. (laughs) 
right, so what's going on so, on Twitter.com? Uh, you ready for this one? Hit me. This is news as of today. Yeah, this is new to me. I don't think I've heard anything yet. What's happening? Elon Musk says Twitter to change its logo to X. He is so fucking cringe. Bit adieu to the Twitter brand. To make a long story short, <sighs> he said that they're getting rid of the Twitter logo. They're getting rid of anything related to birds. They're getting rid of 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 all of that. They're He's trying getting rid to... of basically all of the brand recognition that Twitter has built That's over really a decade and a half lifespan, I'd say. In what world does he think this will go well for him? He's not a smart man. No, he's not. And, like, X is, like, his company's, like, thing, right? Like, I feel like they keep pulling shit out of their ass that has to do with, you know? Yeah, it is. That's it's, really it's, cringe. It's he wants to name everything X, pretty much. He might as well have named it Musktown. Like, what are we doing? That is really fucking cringe. Are they gonna are they gonna change the name from Twitter? Because the 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 company named Twitter with the logo X makes no fucking sense. If you want to get rid of the bird, hey, do you know why it was it was a bird? It's because it's called Twitter, which is what birds do. It's how birds communicate. That's the fucking joke, you dense idiot. Oh it's my got God. tweets and retweets, which are things birds do. <sighs> what a fucking wow. That is just such a dumb move. Who yep. will enjoy this? They're trying to pull a Facebook meta thing. They're like, okay, Twitter now has a bad reputation because of me. Let's make it not Twitter and more me. Because as we all know, I'm the part about Twitter that everyone loves. Oh, speaking of uh, Twitter, guess what else they're doing? What else? They're limiting DMs. So can we just pull the plug? Dragging a corpse around behind a horse is far more humiliating. Just bury it. Just, just, just take it off life support and just, and, and just lay it to rest. Let's have a funeral and pretend it could have gotten better. And don't stop dragging his corpse around on the carriage. That's really bad. He saw how badly the website was doing with the rate limited tweets and then decided to also do the same thing in DM. Wow, they are they are siphoning money. They are like they're eating it alive. Where's the money going? Like wow. So yeah, so that's the uh this week's Twitter watch. That is bafflingly bad. I haven't really been online today except to uh play my RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar app. Not sponsored, but I should be. So let me just look at um I wanted to see what people are saying about about Twitter news. Yeah. Changing the Twitter logo. Adieu to all the birds. Man, that's such a bad idea. Okay. Wait. Oh, no, no. Okay, that was last year's. Ad revenue is down 50%. Oh, Jeebus crust. Yeah. Anyway. Hopefully it'll kick the bucket soon. And maybe we'll all go back to blogging. And we'll live in a world of peace again. Maybe. You're Meanwhile, so over on Tumblr... There was a sudden wave of trans women's uh, safe-for-work selfies just of their faces being tagged as sexually explicit content and being removed en masse. Fun. Awesome. I love being erased from society. Mm, awesome. So cool. Uh, I would like everybody to keep in mind that Tumblr has like frequently touted itself as being like the most LGBTQ 
fucking website on the planet or LGBTQ friendly website on the planet. Um, but they did super lose a lawsuit in which they were like shown to be very queer phobic and there were explicit guidelines kind basically like diversity and inclusion guidelines that they had to adhere to uh, so that like shit like this wouldn't happen and crazy this shit kept happening and also they um like keep hiring um uh, turfs to work for tumblr because people keep finding the staff members personal blogs and their turfs so that's cool um that's cool that's awesome anyway just keep that really, in mind really cool and awesome. when you're engaging on tumblr as well um i haven't heard anything about threads other than that it's lame and stupid so it's just a data mining machine it's just there to get more money from you and it's Average user use is down to six minutes per day. Yeah, no one cares. It's just not interesting. Uh, so apparently having a platform that's just brands talking back and forth isn't entertaining. <laughs> Are you shitting me? That's what it is so far? That's what it is so far. That's comical. You'd think that would be the capitalist wet dream since that's all they really care about. But there's no one to siphon money from if nobody's there to look at the tweets. Sad. Sorry. Threads. Whatever the fuck. I don't care. They had a word for it that they came up with. I don't remember what it was. Because it was lame. If it was cool, but it was you, so it was, it was so lame and forgettable that my my brain has has shut it out. And it was a made up word that made no fucking sense. Hold on, sorry, I've got to look it up because I want to see what kind of made up word did they choose. What are posts on Threads called? See, it used to be everything was just posts, but then Twitter came up with tweets, and everyone was like, "Well, that's fucking clever." So, let's for sure go with that. Um, oh, that's Threads versus Twitter. Okay, da 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 da. Five hundred character count. Videos up to five hundred. Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Posts are called Threads. Mastodon prefers toots. Twitter uses the well-known tweets, and Blueski favors skeets. Skeets rules. Sorry, it's still funny. Toots is also funny. I will give Mastodon the fact that Toots is funny. Yeah, this was made prior to whatever made-up word they came up with that wasn't threads. Um, oh, sidebar. Back to the, the Twitpocalypse real quick. I didn't know this, but with the rate limit thing on the app, since, again, I deleted the app ages ago for Steve-O's mental health, which was a really good move. Um, apparently, the rate limit thing, it's, it doesn't just come down to when you're scrolling. Like, if you happen to open up a, a thread or a, a post, fucking whatever, that has a lot of replies, those count towards your rate limit, even if you don't scroll down to read them, because it still loads them. Because you don't normally have to wait for load times whenever you're scrolling through the replies to a tweet. So if you happen to open up a popular tweet... There goes your Twitter time for the day, idiot. <laughs> it's really fucking funny. They're giving people the freedom to go outside and get off the app when that is the explicit thing that it has been working against for the past decade. The infinite scroll was revolutionary in an exceedingly, exceedingly negative way. And they're freeing us from it. It's a very, very finite scroll. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't. Yes. Yeah, like, I don't have anything to say. It's just observation. Just, man, they're fucking this right on up. What was the, the, MySpace? you were ranting like Dennis Miller today. I'm sorry. I need to, I need to chill. My CBD tincture hasn't kicked in yet. Who's Dennis Miller? Gotcha. Who the fuck is Dennis Miller? He's a comedian famous for his rants. <laughs> is he a political guy or just a, just a ranter? Actually, he is, unfortunately, a kind of a political guy, and he's right-wing. Boo. Why would you do that to me? There are a hundred crazy leftists who like to rant. You've done me so dirty. Yeah, but none that are that popular in popular culture. I don't know if our listeners... Well, anyway, anyway. I don't know if our listeners know who Dennis Miller is either, but... 
No, that's fair. Most of our listeners seem to be we my do skew, age. We do so. skew to 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 the younger generations. Uh, not not a lot of not a lot of millennials listen to this, as far as I can tell. It's my it's my uh, overwhelmingly upstart demeanor. They just can't handle it. Too much of a rebel. That must be it. So yeah, we're gonna move on to what? We're gonna move on to a segment that we do uh, infrequently. I think we should do more of. Okay. You kind of got into the segment earlier. This was not a segment we've done previously. It totally is, and you're going to see why. Because I want to talk about an album that was the highest grossing album, rock album, in the 21st century. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. It came out in October of 2000. Okay. Bush. Pre-Bush. This was during the election. Oh, 2000. OMG, this would have been right before the election. I forgot. He would have been inaugurated in January. Yeah. That's crazy. So, I want to talk about how influential it was. Okay. Which means I'm, we're basically delving into a generational gap. Oh. Because I don't think that there's been any album since then that had the kind of absolute saturation into everything yeah. that this album had. Hip hop, a hippity hop, it's the generational gap. Yeah. Like, big albums have come out since. I wouldn't say, even then, still not as much as, as it was since then. The internet, I think, has kind of helped. I say helped, kind of a mixed bag there. I think it's kind of helped people split off into their distinct groups, for better or worse. And I do feel that that also includes sort of a splintering of pop culture. Whereas back then, I feel like... I think it does. If this album was big, everyone knew it was big, you know? Yeah, so the album we're going to talk about in this generational gap is Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. Crawling in my skin. That was the only song I knew from it. You didn't know any of the other ones? I was born three months before this came out. By the time I was old enough to listen to music on my own... uh, it was pretty much past, it's pretty much over. It was 2011 by the time I was looking for music on YouTube, and I got into Pomplamoose because of your wife. Like, that was, that was my, like, first foray into independently finding music that wasn't, like, related to show tunes. And it's not like mom was gonna play Linkin Park's hybrid theory for me. How was I supposed to know? I was watching PBS Kids. I had no access to Linkin Park's hybrid theory. <laughs> I have failed as your elder sibling to have not introduced you to this album at a younger stage in your life. You did what you could for the age that I was at. So you bought me Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book and you dusted your hands of it from there. And that was good enough. It still did it for me. (laughs) I've talked about this before. Really good move on your part. I really felt like I was reading a cool grown-up book and instead it was a horror book for kids. That rocked. If you haven't read it, dear listener, read The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. It's a very easy read and it's wonderful. You know, I'm going to admit something here that I don't think I've ever admitted to you before. <gasps> Did Andrea get that for me? Well, no, she suggested it. You've never read it, have you? I've never read it. You piece of shit. Honestly, in retrospect, it makes sense. It was a children's book. It... I did not know it was a children's book at the time, but it was. It was also the first book I've ever had that had one of those little award stickers on it. And so I thought it wasn't supposed to be there. So I started to peel it up and then I read it and it was like some award. And I was like, oh shit, fuck. And so the edge of that sticker is still peeled up because I was 10 and dumb and I never read an award winning novel before, apparently. Anyway, it rules. It's awesome. 
I feel like you you would still like it probably. Like it holds up. No, I would probably like it. I just I've never gotten around to reading it. Yeah, easy read. Oh, base premise for the listener: kid raised in a graveyard by ghosts because a guy killed his parents, and then he has to uh, eventually face the guy who killed his parents because he's been hunting for him all his life, but he's been safe in the graveyard. And also, there's like vampires and shit. I didn't realize that his guardian was a vampire until I was grown up, though, and I was like, "You fucking idiot." They literally said the guy doesn't eat bananas as a gag, and he literally leaves the graveyard to go eat people. What did you think he was doing? And I was like, he's just mysterious. What? <laughs> they, they don't tell you all right. Anyway, cool book. So Linkin Park's hybrid theory, I was super not very familiar with it. Now you can do whatever you were going to do with it. Okay, so you weren't familiar with it. So I, yes. I, I have an important question before we go any further. Uh-huh. Did you like it? Mixed feelings. When I told Shiloh that you had assigned me homework, first of all, Micah sent me this, this, this link and was like, got a little homework for you. It's a short album, parentheses, 45 minutes. I'm like, 45? What the fuck is a long album to you then? What the fuck is a long album? Albums on average are an hour. This one's 15 minutes shorter. An even shorter hour, uh, album than this, with clocking in at like 30 minutes, is Gnarls Barkley. Uh, just to be clear, this is how you know I love you. I hate listening to full albums. I don't know what it is, but I do not have the patience to listen to a single artist for a, a, an extended period of time, usually. I, we are from different generations oh, because... absolutely. I would listen to full albums all the time when I was younger you because the, the internet didn't exist. So whatever you had in the house, that's you're what the right. fuck you listened to. You're right. You had the CD and it's not like you're changing out the CD every fucking minute. I learned how to pirate music from YouTube when I was 10. And so I was making my own like mix CDs from the beginning. I was just snatching YouTube links right and left. Also, it was easier back then because there were a hundred different websites that wouldn't give you viruses for it in 2010. <laughs> But now there's like two anyway, but like, yeah, no, I Napster guess that does make sense. Napster didn't hit until the year 2000. Huh? Napster oh. did not hit until the year 2000. You're right. So Linkin Park released Hybrid Theory literally just before piracy became big. Damn. Which I think is a large part of the reason why they were the last biggest big, highest big album. That makes a lot of sense. That's a good observation. That makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. As far as whether or not I liked it, when I told Shiloh that you said to listen to it, they immediately, like, cracked up and they said, you won't like it. And I was like, well, why not? Why, 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 why not? And they said, it's, it's, it's like Sonic the Hedgehog AMV music. And they're right. They know the album because of Sonic the Hedgehog AMVs that they watched in, like, 2007. So that's how they know all the songs. It's just because we have, like, edgy fan art of Shadow the Hedgehog while crawling plays in the background. And I, st- I, I started the first song, and I was like, oh, fucking hell. It is. This is fucking, this is emo bullshit. Oh, god damn it. But it's not emo, it's new metal. You sound just like Shiloh. This is the exact type of distinction shot. Anytime, okay, you definitely have not heard this TikTok audio. The discerning listener will be familiar. But there's this clip that went viral a while back of a kid. It was just a kid in a room with his parents going, I'm gonna kill my mom. I'm gonna kill my dad. I'm gonna kill my grandma. And he's like four years old. Hey, who taught the kid? (laughs) 
Anyway, sometimes when Shiloh plays their music, I say it sounds like that. And this only sounds a little bit like that. I was making notes, by the way, in our Discord DMs. I wasn't sending them to you, so I just have, like, a draft in there. Um, because I was also, obviously, trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Because I was thinking the blatant SEO won't go very well if somebody listening um, to a... No, 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 no. Hmm? That's a different segment. How the fuck is that a different segment? You'll see. Should I not let the listener in on the the your 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 ulterior motivations? I won't if you don't want me to. You know, I was debating if we should. It'd be a little funny. But you know what? In the interests of being open and fair <laughs> with our listeners and letting you get that peek behind the curtain, there's a reason we're talking about hybrid theory. It's not just because I rediscovered the album a couple of days ago while I was just randomly listening to music and thought to myself, you know what? Stevie should give this a listen, which I was right. Stevie should listen to it, and I'm glad that I've subjected Stevie to it because it has broadened Stevie's musical horizons into accepting <sighs> Sonic AMV music. I must be clear. You shan't take credit for the reason I've accepted Sonic AMV music. My relationship is contingent on me being accepting of Sonic AMV music. <laughs> There is there is a lot of music that I have been subjected to because of it, and it has grown on me. I think that if I had listened to this album in high school, my brain would have exploded and I would have died. But now I'm able to listen to it and I go, oh, yeah, Shiloh likes this song. Or like, oh, yeah, this sounds like this other song. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I didn't really absorb a lot of the first half of the album because I was listening to it in the shower. Turns out my speaker doesn't go loud enough for me to be able to understand the words over the shower. But I'm like, hmm, he sounds depressed. And I was right. He is. So, I got that much. I did really enjoy the latter half, actually. Okay, ironically, the first half of the album is the best half. That is really funny, because based on, like, the sound, just, like, overall sound, I enjoyed the latter half more, because it was, in my opinion, a little bit more, like, aurally distinct, I guess. I'm really pulling out the music theory words. The lot of the the first half of the album, it felt, I, I might be making this shit up, it felt like it was better known or more popular. Crawling in particular is like the one that has been, maybe it's made a resurgence in past years, or maybe it's just the one that Shiloh likes, so I've heard it more. Um, but the latter half sounded very different to me in terms of like the, I don't know, just like the elements that were being pulled. There were, hold on. <laughs> the first note I took says the song in the end was the least abrasive and that is <laughs> the only note I that is the only credit I gave to that song was that it was the least abrasive <laughs> um, a place for my head was a really nice change of pace in my opinion because there was a really really interesting rhythmic pace that I enjoyed and it had a little a little like whispery bit in the middle that I thought was sexy so that was a that was a point in the this album is good column forgotten is more audibly legible than the beginning of the album <laughs> I just thought you could understand it better note again I was in the shower <laughs> For the first half of the album. So I feel this affected my experience slightly. Okay, so hypothetically, Stevie. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. If in the future <laughs> I have another album I really want you to listen to so that we can talk about. I will listen to it untainted by the shower. Okay, good. Because there are there are a couple more albums that I'm like, we should really talk about these. I yes, I will I will have it be a more untainted experience in the future. I would like to emphasize, I feel 
that on the occasions where I do listen to music in the shower, the music I listen to is usually, it's easier to understand while in the shower. I guess it's more lyrics forward and less backing track heavy. And I don't mean that to disparage either, really, since obviously the genre comes down to preference purely. But just in terms of like lyrical legibility, I'm used to being able to understand words in the shower. And it literally did not occur to me that I would have a very difficult time with this new metal album. <laughs> Uh, that makes a sound, to be clear. That makes it sound like I did not enjoy it. When I could understand what was fucking going on, I was like, oh, yeah, this, is, this rocks, yeah. No, I get it. And it literally just took me being able to actually hear the fucking music. So to be clear, overall... You Overall, 6 out of 10. Overall, 6 out of 10, but that's, that's a tainted unpopular. opinion because... Yeah. You've tainted, like, the whole reason behind the I, segment, like... I fear, I fear this won't go down well with Linkin Park fans. No, it won't. <laughs> because Linkin Park is a good band. Here's the thing. It is. They are excellent musicians. I am not their target audience. So what do you listen to? Oh, I, f oh God, hold on. We're going to get a little peek inside of Stevie's head with this one. Uh, to be clear, the first forays into like music that I made, like I said earlier, Pomplamoose. Big band music, a la Frank Sinatra and Michael Bublé covers of Frank Sinatra and <laughs> show tunes. So I was an insufferable teenager. I was a very kind teenager, but I was pretty fucking annoying because I was a theater kid and a chorus kid. Uh, now I do listen to a lot of city pop and a lot of synthwave after a very turbulent breakup in my senior year. I had like a, an eight month period where I couldn't listen to music with lyrics because it made me too bummed. So for like six months, I could exclusively listen to lo-fi with no lyrics. If they started singing, I was like, this is a bummer. Get the fuck out of here. So I tend to not even go that hard for music that has lyrics I can understand. I think that I have truly just kind of, I don't know. I really like... City pop, can't understand the words, it's all in Japanese. Um, oh, shit. What's his name? You would love Blur. Who? Blur. Blur. By who? Nope, it's a band. Okay, not a song. Band. I'm going to add that to my list. Not a song, it's a band. In fact, YouTube. Masayoshi Takanaka is a... um like Japanese jazz fusion funk artist who has been my favorite musician for like the past I would say 6 months or so maybe 8 months or so it's been it's been a while at this point um yeah i i literally just now thought about the fact that i i really do not tend to listen to music with lyrics that i understand or sing along to i will still hum along to obviously city pop because it goes exceedingly hard but i barely know the words okay blur song 2 official music video is it titled song 2 the song it's called Song 2. Okay, hit me. This sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, yeah, so that's enough of that. I have a bit of a hard time here understanding him. Here and there it peeks through. So that begs the question. It's music where you can't quite understand the lyrics. Uh-huh. Stevie, do you like it? Too aggressive. Too I, aggressive. Okay, that's, that's a fair... I don't tend to go for like heavy music i don't know what it is like and here's the thing as a teenager i did really actually enjoy classic rock quite a lot 
Like, I did have a very, very long, like, 80s playlist, but that was also going to be heavily influenced by my childhood and what our mother listened to. So a lot of my music taste, obviously, was going to be informed by, like, what I was just happened to be introduced to in general. And it wasn't until college that I really started trying to look for stuff on my own as well. So you can't understand the words, but they're still going really hard. Why don't we just chill out? Interesting. So there's like whole genres of music that like I wanted to introduce you to that I don't think you're going to enjoy. Here's the thing. And I'm not sure if that makes for better content or worse content in these content minds. I will still engage with them in the future in an untainted, attempting to be unbiased way. Because... I, again, I was a chorus kid. I did take music theory. I can still generally appreciate when music is good, even if I know it's not to my taste. The Linkin Park album, very fascinating. Tons of really, really good elements that I can see why it was so famous and why it captivated so many people. It's not something that I would listen to recreationally, but I absolutely see why, like, why it popped off so hard. It's just, it's very, um... I don't know. It's very captivating, you know, like it really grabs your attention. And I feel like it's it's good at what it does. But I don't know that I'm necessarily the target audience for what it's doing. Sidebar. This is really funny. Sorry, Shiloh. I told Shiloh that I liked um, A Place for My Head from that album. And they said, I yeah. agree. But man, what the fuck? Because they're like two steps away from corn. And if I introduced you to them, you wouldn't have liked it. Do you agree with that? Do you think that they're two steps away from corn? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't care for corn much. <laughs> you don't care for corn? Uh, I think there's been a couple songs Shiloh's introduced me to that I liked. The, the, the bands that Shiloh has introduced me to that ended up really growing on me. System of a Down and Deftones. Those are both really excellent bands. They are really excellent bands. And I don't know if System of a Down would have grown on me as much as it did if they didn't have Shiloh's, like, absolute favorite albums of all time. So they played them so much that I became, like, intimately familiar with them and their lyrics. So honestly, it's like exposure therapy. My vote, keep them coming. Because I probably will be a convert at some point. I can still definitely appreciate it, even if I know that I am am not... And probably never was the target audience. You know, Shell was born to be a little emo teen. I was born to be a musical theater teen. And that's okay. Indeed. So, also, yeah, that's been our, our, our segment, Generational Gap, where we talk about music for a bit, which is something that I'm surprised we haven't done before. It's because you don't like having to take snippets of songs to put them in the podcast. I pointed out that talking about songs without snippets of them being in there sucks. <laughs> so you didn't do it for a little bit. <laughs> Okay, I might include like a like a three second snippet of 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 a couple of the songs. At least give like a point of reference, but obviously don't get a copyright strike. Yes, yes, yeah, the hard part. I was gonna look at what was on my emo playlist, which is literally just all the songs Shiloh has introduced me to that I enjoyed and have thus generalized as being emo, even though there are absolutely more more genres within it than that one. Let me take a look. The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows is a song on there. A uh, couple songs by... Th- oh, no. One song by Thursday, Understanding in a Car Crash. A couple Deftones. Lots of System of a Down. Rose of Sharon by Killswitch Engage is probably the most aggressive one I have here. Lots of System of a Down. Lots of System of a Down. That's three full System of a Down albums. 
Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card, another Thursday song, Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. God, Break Stuff is great. <laughs> Break Stuff is great. Probably not Limp Biscuit wrote a lot of great songs, to be honest. I have heard some here and there thanks to Shiloh, and I did enjoy it. Stockholm Syndrome, Uneasy Hearts Way the Most. See, and that's the thing. Limp Biscuit is like one step away from corn. There are probably some corn songs that I would enjoy, but not all of them. Some My Chemical Romance, of course. But all these groups, you got them in a list called Emo? No, 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 no. These are songs Shiloh introduced me to that I added to a playlist called Emo because I'm the one generalizing them. So many of those bands you listed are definitely not emo. I thought all of them were emo adjacent. No. Which ones What do you think emo is? Oh, you know. (laughs) No, I don't, Stevie. That's why I'm asking you. What do you think emo is? Bro, not you. Meatball. He was really, really good, and he was quiet for the entire hour we've been recording so far, and just now he started meowing. Um... I feel like it's really hard to define genres and that it's a really nebulous process and that genres were invented by uh, music producers to sell more albums. Anyway, I think it's like My Chemical Romance and there's really um, heavy electric guitar and there's drums in it and the lyrics are a bummer. I'm generalizing for the bit. I know that that those are all hallmarks of distinct genres, but you have to admit that all these songs do also have that in common. No, to be fair, yes, they do. And some of it is going to come down to the time period in which they were released. And I feel like if particular albums that are currently considered new metal, I feel like if some of them were released later, I feel like they would have been just kind of bunched in with with emo music. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, maybe I don't get it. Maybe there's, like, aspects and, like, elements of them that I'm not getting. Emo music tends to have whinier vocals. That is really funny. And also fair. <laughs> Which is why it's like System of Down, for instance. That is not emo music. But and given is... their explicitly, explicitly political message in several of their songs, I wouldn't exactly call it a depressing bummer either. Do you? Okay. To be fair, politics in general can be a depressing bummer. And so, even though I think they are one hundred percent based <laughs> in some of the shit they're saying in critiquing the prison industrial complex. It's not a happy song. <laughs> like, let's be fucking clear. It's not happy either. Um, I, this may be... Oh, okay, okay. I'm about to get you in trouble, potentially, with former or perhaps current emo teens who are fans. Mid-2010s, very popular on uh, concept on Tumblr, of course, was the holy emo trinity of My Chemical Romance, Panic at the Disco, and Fallout Boy. Based on what you are saying, do you consider Panic at the Disco and Fallout Boy to be emo? I'd say yes. I don't see Panic at the Disco genre-wise as matching up at all. Fallout Boy, perhaps. I consider it more to be like Fallout Boy feels pop punk to me, but maybe I just don't get it. But Panic at the Disco does not have a lot of those same elements. Like, a lot of it is, like, very interesting, like, instrumentality. And I won't say that the lyrics aren't sometimes a fucking bummer and about, like, Teenage Rebellion or whatever. But I feel like the stuff that they do with it is so... I don't know. It feels very, like, musically diverse in a way that I I don't know if... 
I don't know. It feels different genre-wise, but it also feels nebulous and hard to define, which in general is the issue with trying to define genres in general. Maybe there's just something I'm not getting about it, and it's not like I was ever part of the emo subculture necessarily, so I, of course, am viewing it from an outsider's perspective. Shiloh would be more versed in this than I am. I should talk to them a little further about it. Okay. I don't know how to yes and, uh, other than to say I think we've talked about hybrid theory enough. Yeah, that was a good hybrid theory talk. You wouldn't have considered yourself emo, right? Just goth? Just goth. What were your takes on scene kids back in the day? I didn't care. I appreciate that about you. You minded your own fucking business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wear what makes you happy. Like, who cares, you know? Just, like, vibe out. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, for the listener, to, make, th- to be completely honest, the only reason I really wanted to talk about hybrid theory was because I have it on good authority... That if you have a podcast about hybrid theory and you put hybrid theory in the name of the podcast, Spotify will link it to a whole bunch of a list of a whole bunch of other podcasts talking about hybrid theory and has linked them to the album Hybrid Theory, which is still a very popular album. That rules. So someone really likes this is all a podcast about it to try to get us some new listeners. I'm hoping I don't know if it'll work, but we'll find out. Do you think our podcast is geared towards the average Linkin Park listener? I think with a lot of the stuff that Linkin Park touches on lyrically, uh, it kind of ties in with our demographic. This might bring in more of your demographic, perhaps. And that would be good. That would be good. I need people my age. Yeah. Yeah. I love the little Spotify Q&A sections because I can I can just see what people are saying about the episode sometimes. And it's all like very clearly people my age based on how they type. And I'm waiting to see one where the person like types like a millennial. I'm waiting for the day. I'll be excited when that happens. Don't start pretending to be millennials. We'll know. Will we though? What if they're really good at it? Well, then you'll feel encouraged and you'll feel like we got a new millennial listener. Sometimes lies are kind. <laughs> I don't think a lie for the sake of kindness should always be a sin. Anyway... Different debate. Uh, different debate entirely. So, we talked about that a lot longer than I expected, which is good. It's content. It's content. But you know what, Stevie? Sometimes you do things in the name of content to even further increase your search engine optimization. I thought this was going to be the name of the Link, the, the Linkin Park segment. What are we even talking about now? Well, as long as we're boosting our engagement with all of the internet traffics that are going on. <sighs> yeah. I thought we'd talk about Barbie. Oh, bitch. In a new segment, in a new segment called Blatant Search Engine Optimization. Welcome to the Blatant Search Engine Optimization segment. Once again, this is the Blatant Search Engine Optimization segment. I already wanted to talk about Barbie, but I didn't think you would let me, so this rules. This is perfect. (laughs) Have you seen the movie yet? No. So this is where have I, I was thinking about going this afternoon, but I hadn't decided yet. I'm going to go see it on my birthday, which is Wednesday. Cause I forgot I'd requested the day off and I'm really, really stoked. And my reasoning also is that if I go in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, it won't be fucking crowded and I can get matinee prices, which rules. Um, there are multiple theaters in towns, uh, in town and like a couple friends have already gone to see it. And of course they're like college kids. So they're going at night and they were like insanely fucking crowded. My friend Faith went last night and she said that the line to scan tickets was halfway like towards the door. It was like the most crowded she's ever seen that theater across town. Um, and so I'm going to go to the dead one, which I'm excited about. 
and I'm really, really stoked. And so it will be just me and Barbie <laughs> and God, and I'm really excited for it. There will probably be other people buying tickets beforehand, but it won't be like middle of the day on a Wednesday. Like who else is ta- who else is going? So I'm excited. Everyone that I have heard from said it was amazing, better than they expected, and stellar. Um, so I'm stoked. Cool. Well, we're not actually not going to talk about the movie. Okay, well, I would like to a tiny bit more. Uh, anyway, all the male reviewers are saying that it sucks and it hates men, and then all the female reviewers are saying that it's an accurate portrayal of womanhood. All it to say, hmm. Anyway. I wanted to talk about weird Barbies. Ooh, please talk about weird Barbies. Please, this is very important to me, please tell me that you're going to talk about Cochrane Ken. We're going to talk about the too gay, too weird, too pregnant, the most controversial Barbie dolls in history. Let's fucking go. Let's go. This is from independent.co.uk. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled silly. We've got Growing Up Skipper, 1975. Skipper was the little one. Skipper was the little one. In 1975, a new version of Barbie's younger sister, Skipper, came with a brand new function. She could instantly experience puberty right in front of your eyes. Bitch. By rotating her left arm anti-clockwise, the toy's torso grew an inch and small breasts magically sprouted from her rubber chest. No fucking way. Okay, wait, what was it called? What Skipper? Growing Up Skipper, 1975. Why did they think that would be a good idea? Why did they think this would go good? It was the 70s. By 1977, the doll was discontinued. Yeah, no way did that go good. Oh my god, I already turned off my ad blocker, you stupid fucking website. Insider sucks dick. Anyway, they really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> really... Wow, this doll looks weird, too. Wow, the box says it has two two pictures. One is of her little, and it says cute little girl. And then the grown-up version, it says tall, curvy teenager. 1970s. Wow, wee, that sucks bad. So oh, the they next gave part her a shorter skirt. That's important. They gave her a shorter skirt to change it to when she's a teen. Awesome. So the, uh, the next Barbie. Mm-hmm. Teen Talk Barbie, 1992. What did she say to the teens? Barbie was given a voice box in the 90s, with each doll in the Teen Talk Barbie range coming from the ability to speak four sentences selected from a library of 270 phrases. So they would all say different things? Among them were, Will we ever have enough clothes? (laughs) And, Let's plan our dream wedding! Wow. Another one, which signaled the downfall of Teen Talk Barbie was math class is tough. Oh no. Oh no. The dialogue caused an uproar among educators and parents as they argued that Barbie's dislike of math reflected the harmful stereotypes that girls are not suited to certain academic subjects. The optics are bad, I will say. The American National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, for example, objected to the line and argued that it was detrimental to their efforts to encourage girls to study math and science, particularly when spoken alongside sentences all about shopping and marriage. That is a good point. That is a very, very good point. Three months after the release of the dolls, Mattel pulled the doll and replaced it with a new version that didn't speak the controversial line. So she still says all this shit about shopping and planning her wedding, just doesn't mention how bad math is on top of it. So the next one... Uh Uh-huh. Is Earring Magic Ken, 1993. Gay boy Ken, they made him a gay boy. They referenced it in the movie. Not kidding, they referenced gay Earring Ken in the Barbie movie. Which rules? 
Many have joked about the sexuality of Barbie's himbo boyfriend Ken, but when Mattel released Earring Magic Ken in 1993, a doll who came with a lilac mesh t-shirt, matching pleather waistcoat, and a black high-waisted trousers, the jokes went into overdrive. God. Throw in his accessories, a sparkly earring, and a necklace that had an eyebrow-raising circular charm on the end of it. <laughs> it was Cochrane Ken. It, it was Cochrane Ken. it seemed inevitable that the doll was dubbed Gay Ken or Fae Ken. Yeah. The, um, hold on. Everybody has already... Uh, probably talked about this previously, but there was an interview Ryan Gosling did and talking about preparing for the role of Ken. And he, fuck, where is it? This is very important to me that I can find the direct quote. Okay, Polygon released what I actually need. Everything Ryan Gosling has said about playing, becoming Ken. Okay. This was it. He had sent the director a picture of Ken laying face down in the dirt next to a squashed lemon in his backyard because that is where his daughters had discarded their Ken doll because they didn't give a fuck about it. Um, and he texted that photo to Miss Greta Gerwig, the director, and said, I shall be your Ken, for this story must be told. <laughs> the picture is Ken face down next to a squashed lemon. God, it's so good. And they had named their, their Barbies some fucked up shit like uh i think it was like trash can they named their barbie trash can and they just broken up and she was focusing on herself for now and ken was just in the dirt that rules that's awesome and they referenced cochrane ken in the barbie movie no less amazing anyway they were cowards and pulled out in a new york times article published in 1993 writer carol lawson claimed that mattel was attempting to gender bend ken <sighs> by making him appeal to both boys and girls. Media has not changed. Other reports suggested that Ken had experienced a plummet in his popularity. Uh so Mattel had conducted a survey among Barbie fans and the company found out that they wanted Ken to be cooler. Yeah, queer is cool, I guess. That is so funny. They were like, what do the teens love? Oh, homosexuality. <laughs> Others just thought he'd come out. Ever since Mattel introduced Earring Ken Magic Barbie, or I'm sorry, Earring Magic Ken, a few weeks ago, people have been wondering whether there's something more in the Dreamhouse closet than a few Bob Mackie originals and some two-inch white hangers. I think they're both bisexual. Wrote journalist Frank DeCaro in Newsday. I think Barbie and Ken are both bisexual, and I think they're swingers. Haven't seen the movie yet, so I don't know. I can just make shit up. In my personal Barbie also, universe... Also, it's, it's a gay. toy. It's however you want to play with it. So if you yeah. want them both to be bisexual swingers you can have them do that because it's a toy you can play with yeah i remember <laughs> this is okay this is fucked up and i've never said this before everybody knows everybody who is raised as a little girl knows that when you play dolls it's vicious you are making those fucked up storylines possible for these girls to go through and so I had a little, a little like wedding arch that had come with some like wedding set I got. And I literally strung up one of the Barbies with like hairbands by her feet. And she was being like tortured by her steps. This was Cinderella. This was like fucked up Cinderella. And her steps were like slapping her and shit. Is this indicative of deeper potential issues? I'm in therapy now. So I don't want to talk about it. Um, but like probably every little girl played war with their Barbies. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Uh, 
Sound off in the comments is... if you played with your Barbies by hanging them upside down by their ankles like they were Benito Mussolini <laughs> and then slapping them. I need you to know this may be one that you simply do not get, but there are like memes online and like Tumblr posts from like people my age who were raised as girls who were like talking about the stereotypes of like oh girls just playing like the princesses and tea parties and shit but they're literally doing like mean girl role plays and like nations battling and shit like a lot of us did it at least i don't know if everybody everybody did it but it's more universal than you're thinking i'm probably not the only one who has done some fucked up family drama with their barbies i had one bitch who was always trying to steal ken for a barbie and you know what? He was tempted. He was fucking tempted. If you're gonna cheat on Barbie, what is wrong with you? This is like Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce. You have fucking everything. Embarrassing. Uh, indeed. So the next Barbie on the list, or the next doll, rather. Okay, okay. Is Happy Family Midge 2002. Oh, Midge was Barbie's friend. I forgot about Midge. By 2002, Barbie's oldest friend, Midge, was happily married and visibly pregnant with her second child, and huh. Mattel announcing that she was expecting a baby girl. That's really cute. Capturing this stage in her life, the happy family Midge allowed you to pop off Midge's pregnant belly and hmm? find a baby curled up inside. Hmm? You know, I thought they'd just keep her pregnant. I didn't think they'd put an actual baby in there. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Happy family Midge. What's that look like? Well, Google should be able to tell you. Aw, Midge is pretty. Little baby's cute. Show me the tummy. Man, this is weird. Do they replace the tummy after or what? <sighs> Hold on. Ecosia won't show me. I bet Google will, though. See, that's your problem. You're using a, a, a search engine that just isn't as good. Which is bad because it's also the one that is, like, the most, like, secure. <laughs> Don't turn on safe search blurring. I'm a grown man. That sucks really bad. That looks really scary. Bitch, there's a baby in there. Waiting for her new baby to arrive. It's a girl. Okay, wait. So the stomach and the baby comes off. And then she just has a flat stomach under it. So it just... Wow. That's frightening looking. I don't like that at all. Actually. Hmm. That was a choice. Parents complained Midge was too young to be pregnant. Oh my it God. remains up for debate how old Barbie, Ken, and her friends actually are supposed to be. And the toy promoted teen pregnancy. She's married. What do you what do you want from her? Like, it, I'm sure Mattel thought that if she was married, that'd be good enough. What do you want from Midge? According to a CNN report at the time, even Walmart pulled Midge from its shelves, and Mattel later released a version of Midge with a flat belly and a baby you couldn't detach from and reattach to her body. That's so It is thought funny. that the happy family Midge was quietly phased out after that. Yeah, it does sound like a... That's frightening. Next up is Tanner the Dog, 2007. Why would he have been bad? The Golden Retriever, named Tanner, was unveiled in 2007 and came with a magnetic pooper scooper. <laughs> Even weirder, if you pulled Tanner's tail, tiny magnetic pellets of mottled feces came cascading out of him. It was the poop pellets, however, that became controversial as parents worried that they were a choking hazard for children. This resulted in a product recall and the magnet in Barbie's pooper scooper was too loose, apparently. Yeah, the magnet is dangerous because if a kid eats a magnet, they're fucked. But like, if your kid feels compelled to eat toy poop. Are you revealing yourself as a bit of a uh, 
vicious Darwinist? No. I'm just saying, why does your kid feel like eating plastic dookie? This is coming from the guy who one time as a child swallowed a quarter because there was a lot of change on the bedside table. And I thought, might as well clean him off. Thought all liquid was cleaning liquid, including spit. Put that shit in my mouth. Give it a little ride. Oop, swallowed it. Ah, I can't admit that to mom. Gotta drink some milk. Could still feel it in my throat. I don't know what happened eventually. I never admitted to it. You probably still have that quarter somewhere in your lower bowel. I probably passed it eventually, probably. Probably. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I was like six. No, I was like four. I was pretty young when that happened because I was still taking naps. Yeah, I was like four. Maybe it was a nickel. It was one of the big silver ones. So I was a little, I was a little frightened. What happens when you eat a nickel? I'm still frightened for you. Well, it hasn't come up again. And I've had x-rays done since. I think my stomach acid would have dissolved it. Um, can stomach acid dissolve a nickel? Okay, the things we eat stay in the stomach for only 30 to 120 minutes before moving to the small intestine. That's not enough time for stomach acid to have any meaningful effect on metal. So while it can't theoretically dissolve metal, it can't do it inside the stomach. And adjusting metal objects is dangerous. Okay, well, I get that part. So it probably eventually got out? Yeah, it would have to, t- it would have to be in there way longer for that to happen, apparently. So that's good to know. So the next uh, doll on the list uh-huh. is Palm Beach Sugar Daddy Kin 2009. Excuse me? Do they really name it that? No way. I'm going to repeat the name for you. Palm Beach Sugar Daddy Kin. 2009? This 2009 Kin doll wore a satin green paisley blazer, white trousers, and led a small dog on a pink leash. But it was his name that sparked the most confusion. Yeah. As it turned out, it was a huge error. <gasps> Kin wasn't a sugar daddy as we know them to be. A Mattel spokesperson told the New York Post in 2009 that he's Sugar's daddy as a reference to the dog, Good. Ken's dog being named Sugar, meaning he was more of a literal sugar daddy than first assumed. That is the funniest possible error. Also, he looks really cute. He does have a little itty bitty white doggy with him and he's wearing some pretty stylish pants, I think. I'm a big fan of this guy. I love him. Sugar daddy. According to reports, Mattel was thought to have taken references from the work of photographer Slim Aaron, particularly his Palm Springs party. Many of Aaron's subjects were celebrities and high-profile socialites. In a 1970s shoot at the Kaufman Desert House in Palm Springs, California, a man on the right of the photograph is dressed almost identically to Sugar Daddy Ken. That's fun. How did they not focus test this? Multiple people who apparently had never heard of the term sugar daddy, had to let this slide by. Even if it was, by the way, by the way, by the way, even if it was titled Sugar's Daddy as a reference to his dog, that would still raise eyebrows because it just seems like it's a barely veiled reference to a certain lifestyle that most parents are not approving of. That is fascinating to me. Well, you know what's even more fascinating? What's more fascinating? The next doll on this list. Uh huh. So so far, these dolls have been a choking hazard. Gay. They've been a mor- they've been a moral hazard. Yeah. According apparently. to some. <laughs> apparently. Uh huh. How about a child safety hazard? Elaborate. Barbie Video Girl 2010. Oh no. Oh no. This Barbie was designed with a hidden camera in her chest, <gasps> which feeds the moving image onto a screen behind her. At the time of its release in 2010, 
The doll sparked concern among the safety regulators about privacy issues, yeah. leading to the FBI alerting, issuing an alert about a potential child safety threat. She looks weird, too. It's like a very visible hole in her chest. It looks very eerie. I do not get the appeal at all. While Mattel issued a statement saying the child's safety was their number one priority and that the toy did not pose a risk, the doll was quietly discontinued in 2012. Yeah, I guess the idea is, like, she could be, like, you know, like, play playing with the other dolls, but while you're playing- but while you're playing with Barbie, you can see what Barbie sees, or whatever. I don't know. I don't Play really get the appeal. Play with Panopticon Barbie. <laughs> I don't really get the appeal, even without the the child safety concerns. What a weird, fucked up looking doll. I don't like the hole in the chest. It looks like it ought to have like an arc reactor in there or something. I don't like that. So yeah, that has been our segment: blatant search engine optimization. I enjoy that a lot. That was fun. I've been getting really into video essayists online who talk a lot about child's franchises. Athena P is a YouTuber who goes into like the lore of various children's TV shows. So she'll watch every fucking episode and then point out what is going on in that universe they've crafted. The one for Word World is exceptionally fucked up. I think that was after your time I was watching it as a kid. Very, very weird. Big fan. Um, Lula Loopsy is a creator who talks about toys specifically, and she talked a lot about Webkins, which I had a huge collection of as a kid. Big fan. Last night I fell asleep to her talking about the Lala Loopsy dolls, which obviously she took her username inspiration from, and they're very charming. Those were after my time, so I never really encountered them. They're ragdoll-inspired. Super, super cute. Um, and I have also seen a lot of videos about different Barbies, and I'm a big fan. I like that a lot. I guess that's enough for an episode, so Stevie... Where can people find you? You can find all my shit at stevieb.com. That's steviebea.com. I have a Twitch account that I stream on, and I'm going to be probably also streaming on my birthday, and I'm getting a capture card for my birthday from one of my friends, so I can stream Switch games, because Shiloh got me a Switch for my birthday, because they are the best boyfriend in the world. So I'm stoked. Come on down, twitch.tv forward slash stevie underscore b to watch me play some games. I also recently got the game Casino Inc., which is a casino sim from 2003, and it was not made to run on uh, modern technology and so it is almost impossible to play <laughs> and control and it is really fun and also people keep cheating and stealing at my casino and I don't have enough bodyguards to kill all of them because you can do that you can take them down to the basement and you can beat them up or you can eject them but you can also kill them a little oopsie daisies anyway cops don't like if you do it too much I digress so that's super fun super cool and also a lot of people have been joining my discord server from listening to the podcast which is epic and that is also linked on my website Micah where can the people find you? The good people can find my music at mxmaxwell1.bandcamp.com. You can also find me on Blue Sky Social if you have one of the invite thingies at yeah. mxmaxwellmusic. And I'm also on Blue Sky. I don't use it a whole lot right now, but I'm just Stevie B on there. It's awesome. Uh, we also have a Tumblr, which is Gender Swap Podcast. I post quizzes that we might do in the future. You can send us mail time asks and stuff like that. Or DMs. Always like any nice nice messages and letters from you guys. Super epic. You can send me suggested topics and that kind of thing. I would super enjoy that. And we also have a Patreon. We do have a Patreon. We're for a mere $3 per month. Less than the price of a cup of coffee thanks to inflation. <laughs> you get twice as many episodes. So for every mainline episode we do, we do a bonus episode. It's so epic. for a while, we were doing it to where, you know, twice a month we had a mainline episode, and twice a month we had a bonus episode. 
Well, then for a bit we went to one and one, but now we're back to two and two, which means we're making more content for you guys. So really, you should hop on over to Patreon.com, pay us the $3, or if you're really cool, pay us $10. For fun. So then we talk about you. And we will read your name at the end of the podcast. So our uh, $10 per month uh, Patreon subscribers are Louis Meekle, Rose, P. Wilbo, and Cassidy Johnson. Stevie usually reacts here. Hold on. And, and, che- and cheers in some way. But I don't want you to Ooh, write them. Thanks, you guys. I was typing in our Discord chat so you would actually fucking have it for later. And I'm going to pin it. So now you don't have any excuses. Okay, is Louis Meekle, Rose, P. Wilbo, and Cassidy Johnson? Yes. Ooh, you got read twice this week. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You're super extra cool. Indeed. Kisses on the forehead. We're, we're, we're glad to have your support. So, yeah. I think we've covered the uh, the basics of everything else that we have going on. Uh-huh. So I guess there's nothing left to say, but bye. Bye.